What's up, everyone, and welcome to the weekly edition of ESG Now, where we cover how the environment, our society, and corporate governance affects and are affected by our economy. I'm your host, Mike DeCebedo, and we are back from holiday with one big story for you. We're going to focus on the step down of Jack Dorsey, Twitter's longtime CEO and co-founder, and what that means for the future of the social media company. Thanks, as always, for joining us. Stay tuned. One of social media's most recognized founders has stepped down from his company this week. Twitter CEO and co-founder Jack Dorsey announced on Monday, November 29th, that he would be stepping down from the company to be replaced by the current chief technology officer, Parag Agrawal. This is a big move in the G world, in the governance world, because when it comes to the tech sector, Dorsey's name would be mentioned among any of those high-profile leaders. When a high-profile CEO steps down for us, there are a couple of questions that we ask. One, why? Why, after a year when Twitter had added more users and revenue, did its CEO leave? And the second is, what is going to happen next? How will Agrawal, whose previous role was all about the enhancement of the product rather than concern around, let's say, how the product is used by society, steer a ship that is sailing through the choppy waters that is the current environment around social media? To answer those questions and more, always more, I called up Harlan Tufford, my colleague who covers governance at Twitter for us, and Andrew Young, my colleague who covers the wider social media landscape for us. Since this was a CEO step down, I thought we should hear what Harlan had to say first about why Twitter's eccentric leader decided that now was the time to leave. Yeah, I mean, I think the his departure has been a long time coming uh, from Twitter. I think the the first big uh, signs were in you know, early 2020 when we saw Elliott Management try to uh, get him out of the company. And, uh, you know, Elliott was ultimately able to bring uh, Dorsey to terms on that and uh, secured uh, board seats for itself and another investor and uh, governance reform and a committee to actually explore you know, whether or not Dorsey should continue as CEO and whether or not his his management structure was uh, was the right thing for the company right like the him serving as ceo of two different companies twitter and square is incredibly unusual there's nobody else in the in the acqui index the msci acqui index that that does that 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 serves on as ceo of two listed companies harlan says a lot of names there that if you're not enmeshed in the twitter world might have gone over your head one of them was square square is an online payments company that dorsey is also the ceo of And it recently changed its name to Block, by the way. Square is now called Block, ostensibly because Dorsey and company loves the future of blockchain. They love the future of cryptocurrency. And they love these systems' ability to provide economic empowerment. That's basically what Dorsey said in a press release that accompanied the name change. The bigger name that Harlan mentioned, though, is Elliott Management Group. This is a powerful and feared hedge fund that last spring took a 4% stake in Twitter, basically tried to push Dorsey out, and settled in the end for three new board seats at the company and for Dorsey to form a committee to review its governance and evaluate a succession plan. Elliott was joined in that push by private equity firm Silver Lake in setting several aggressive
aggressive growth targets for Dorsey, such as an increase of 100 million more daily active Twitter users and increasing the company's ad revenue. Back when Dorsey emerged from that fight, he seemed victorious, uh, and it seemed like he had won the battle and like he was going to be fine. But I asked Harlan about the significance of those board seats and whether, no matter how hard a CEO tries to win, if the board of a company wants to make a move and the board has equal footing as the CEO in terms of control of that company, often the move will be made. It's a sign of how getting board seats as an investor gives you more leverage in the boardroom, more ability to shape the conversation. You know, like this... At a at a company like Twitter that has a you know one cla- one sh- one share one vote uh, capital structure, uh, an investor like Elliot uh, is able to you know, through board seats uh, shape the conversation, change minds, and uh, you know make change happen at a company like this. And I think that's in a large part what we're seeing here with with Dorsey's departure. In addition to him just really liking cryptocurrency a lot. I mean, this is kind of why we look at boards, and it's so important for us and, and others in the investment world. I doubt I've said this before, because why would I? But all the environmental plans that we've talked about, all these labor agreements, anything that has to do with kind of the social side of ESG, matter not if there isn't a leadership at the company that can actually follow through on them. The G spawns the E and S in ESG. So what about the new G, the new head at Twitter, chief technology officer, ex-chief technology officer, praying Agra? So he's been at the company, he's been at Twitter for about 10 years. And at a company like Twitter, that's three lifetimes. Let's see here, what's some other stats? Uh, Oh yeah, he's 37, which makes him the youngest non-founder appointed CEO ever. And while Mr. Dorsey received only a token salary, Mr. Agual will receive 25 million US dollars in equity awards in his first year as CEO, only half of which will be performance-based. And actually, his appointment coincides with another individual being appointed as chairman of the board at Twitter, co-CEO at Salesforce, Brett Taylor. And interestingly, these two have a common background. They both came from product development and technology positions, and they moved up to leadership roles at their respective companies. So a leader to have good product development and revenue growth and user growth is usually a good thing for a company to promote that person to a leadership role. But as Andrew will note, that growth overall else obsession at social media companies can create problems. I think everyone has to be aware of those problems by now. And if we look at our data, Twitter has similar issues to Facebook when it comes to data privacy and security. And while Facebook has had 53 controversies related to online content distortion, Twitter's had 32. So the company still has a lot of work to do to be a secure and safe platform for people to ingest every day. I think this maybe this uh, heightened emphasis on commercial success might also be seen as a de-emphasis of platform safety issues. Um, and I mention this because Jack Dorsey had sort of taken a leadership position on platform safety, or at least maybe like maybe you can say a stewardship role uh, on uh, online harms, platform safety. In that, you know, he he faced uh, the hearings at the U.S. Congress. Um, He took ownership of the decision to ban former U.S. President Trump from the platform. He he hired someone, uh, a lady called Vijaya Gada, who is the head of policy and safety. And under her works a lady called Del Harvey, who's the VP of trust and safety. 
So he's established a team uh, to look at this issue of trust and safety on the platform. Um, but to that point, Del Harvey left Twitter in October, so about a month ago. So um, we've lost at Twitter the head of trust and safety and then also maybe the mentor um, of this issue, um, uh, Jack Dorsey. And this all rings a bit louder because we remember at Facebook, and no matter what you think about these Facebook whistleblowing accusations, it does seem that the company has put growth over concerns around trust and safety to the demise of a lot of democratic processes. And Andrew wanted to kind of shift away from this view of it just being a risky appointment because you have to remember the new CEO is an internal Twitter employee, and that's important for the nearly 5,500 Twitter employees that are currently at the company. That idea of internal promotion being a possible future for them. Employee empowerment is a, is a really key part in building a strong corporate culture, um, and I think there can be few more positive signs of uh, empowerment than promoting uh, someone to a senior position from within the organization. So I think this, um, you know, internal recognition, it's, it's very, uh, it's, it's quite a big motivator for uh, employees. And so this particular promotion uh, uh, might be able to build trust and, you know, strengthen its uh, internal corporate culture. I want to stay with this idea of empowerment because as Jack Dorsey leaves, he moves to a company who has a much different ownership structure than Twitter. And one is insulation. And life is easier for a leader when their power is tied up in callous contracts that can insulate them from the whims of outsiders. And this means that stakeholder empowerment obviously changes when a CEO doesn't really have to deal with rebuke from his stakeholders or... So says Harlan. From what Andrew is just saying about you know, empowerment being such an important function in uh, company culture, uh, you know, accountability is really the thing that we're after in boardroom culture. And what's what's interesting when you look at Square versus Twitter is is that uh, at Square, there's really no one who can challenge. Jack Dorsey formally, right? There's he through a dual class share structure, he controls the company um, with uh, an equity stake that's about ten percent of outstanding shares and, and almost half the votes. Uh, that's not the case at Twitter. At Twitter, investors are actually able to challenge him or are able to hold him accountable in the boardroom. But uh, at at Square, he leaves when he's ready to leave and not before. Um, and and there's there's really no. Uh, no way around that unless the capital structure changes, which he would have to consent to. Um, so in choosing to leave Twitter and stick with Square, he's uh, finding himself at a company where he's, he's focusing at a company where he's going to be uh, you know, a lot more secure in his position. And how much different is Dorsey's reign going to be when all his attention is at block? At Twitter, he was surrounded by people with equal parts power and suspicion toward his ability to lead the company into the future. But at Block, he has another board to convince that the futuristic crypto and payment platform model can move into a more sustainable future where everyone is equal and paying everything in online currency. When it comes to board management governance, how different is Block than Twitter? Looking at the board level, I think the, the, the key challenge, is, and it's pervasive at technology companies, is getting directors to understand the business and the risks of the business. And you often get into very technical issues, very cutting edge issues that a lot of directors may not be familiar with, but, but they, they need to understand these things. And so 
I think that as you move into something like cryptocurrency compared to social media, which is a bit more understood, you could have a harder time getting directors uh, to, to really get a, a handle on the risks involved, the material risks for the company, getting an understanding of, of, of how these things are going to grow and change and, and affect the, the company and the world. Um, it's going to be really hard for Square's managers to explain to, to a, you know, a director how cryptocurrency is going to look in 10 years. Uh, and and I don't I don't envy that the team that job, but but it's it's what they have to do. Since we're a research firm, I'm just gonna throw some data at you to back up Harlan's claim. There, when we look at Square's board, we rank three members out of twelve with industry expertise. Eight of those members have financial expertise, so eight out of twelve. And you could do what you will with those numbers, but only three have quote unquote industry expertise as they're kind of steering through the crypto waters. Anyway, there is maybe something we should also discuss here the fact that payments might be way less risky for a leader than social media. I mentioned Facebook earlier, aka Meta, but and at the moment, all anyone can really think about when you talk about social media is congressional testimonies. And no one wants to testify in defense in front of Congress. And it's almost hard to remember this at this point, but Dorsey joined Zuckerberg and Google's Peshai to face congressional scrutiny in March 2021 over the spread of misinformation on their platform. So maybe Dorsey saw the writing on the wall and is getting out for the relatively greener pasture that is money platforms and cryptocurrency. And instead of getting people pissed at you for spreading extremism and hoaxes online, Dorsey can promote himself as someone that advances access to financing. What is access to financing, you ask? Well, it just so happens that Andrew covers some financial platforms as well as social media ones. So I will cut him in here real quick to give you an example of what advancing financing on a money platform is in the real world. Um, the example I always like to make is um, M-Pesa by Vodafone in East Africa. Um, you know, this, this platform, uh, you know, more than a decade ago, really transformed how transactions are done um, uh, in, in local markets. Um, and uh, this, is the, this is the potential for, uh, for access to finance for, for underserved populations around the world. And so many people were able to make secure transactions and that was helpful. So where does Twitter go from here? Well, there are the growth demands made by Elliott Management that we mentioned. There is a major communications issue still at the company. Its head of communications, Kelly Sims, left Twitter last week after less than four months at the company. And in sort of a nod to his predecessor, Agwal is among the executives that loves crypto and decentralization and all the beauty promised by blockchain. And while there is anecdotal evidence that Dorsey put more time in Block, you know, Square, than he did at Twitter. Twitter is still losing this very eccentric and visionary founder. And you have to kind of wonder how the company is going to recover after the person that helped start them, that was the face of Twitter for a long time, leaves and goes somewhere else. But really what should be paid attention to for governance is something that Harlan said as sort of an aside, that Dorsey was the only dual CEO in the broader financial markets. And there's a reason for that. Running two relatively large companies is difficult, I would assume. And Twitter and Block are now both with a leader that is solely focused on the success of the company that they are running, not two of them. And no matter how this is all spun and what happens, when it comes to the G and ESG, that could be seen as an improvement.
And that's it for the week. I wanted to thank Harlan and Andrew for talking to me about the news with an ESG twist. And I wanted to thank you so much for listening. I always appreciate it. If you like what you heard, don't forget to rate and review us because that puts us up higher on lists. And then people think that this is something I should continue to do at work. And if you like what you heard today, maybe you could subscribe and you would hear us every week. Uh, That'd be kind of cool. Thanks again and talk to you next week. The MSCI ESG Research Podcast is provided by MSCI Inc. subsidiary, MSCI ESG Research, LLC, a registered investment advisor, and the Investment Advisors Act of 1940. And this recording and data mentioned herein has not been submitted to, nor received approval from the United States Securities and Exchange Commission or any other regulatory body. The analysis discussed should not be taken as an indication or guarantee of any future performance, analysis, forecast, or prediction. The information contained in this recording is not for reproduction in whole or in part without prior written permission from MSCI ESG Research. None of the discussion or analysis put forth in this recording constitutes an offer to buy or sell or promotional recommendation of any security, financial instrument, or product or trading strategy. Further, none of the information is intended to constitute investment advice or recommendation to make or refrain from making any kind of investment decision and may not be relied on as such. The information provided here is as is, and the user of the information assumes the entire risk of any use it may make or permit to be made of the information. Thank you.